Summer before last, I was, uh, had the opportunity to go to New York City with a youth mission trip to Hell's Kitchen, where the Metro Baptist Church is uh, located. And they have a ministry there in Hell's Kitchen, and they also have a ministry uh, beyond Hell's Kitchen into a couple different boroughs of New York. And you might imagine that I was probably the oldest person on this youth mission trip. And uh, when we got there, we uh, unpacked our stuff, of course, and went upstairs to where the church has a, a dormitory-like thing uh, set up in the church building. And I began to look around and look for uh, people that... Uh, and I knew most of the kids on the youth ministry trip. We had picked up another crowd in Richmond, and they joined us. We went on together. And so I knew a few of them, but I didn't know many of them. The oldest other adult was about 32 years old, my guess is. And uh, I discovered during that week that I was the odd man out. Now, when they did a pizza run at 11 o'clock at night, they didn't invite me to go. When they hung out in their groups during the day, because I wasn't assigned to a particular team, I wasn't included in any of that stuff other than to walk around, observe. If they had a, a problem or something, I was to jump in and help. That was kind of who I was. When I got home that week, or the, after that week, or 10 days, whatever it was, I told Joyce, I have never felt so overlooked, useless, and unneeded in my life. Now, that's a feeling that I don't have often. Thank God I don't have it often, but I know there are people who carry those kinds of feelings for a long time, or they carry that feeling from a particular event in their life where they felt overlooked for a long time, and it really hurts them. Now... When we grow naturally older, we lose some ability to be vibrant and as active and as strong as we once were, and we naturally regret that. One of the problems is that nobody else pays attention to us during those times of weakening and less vibrancy, and we feel overlooked. As a younger person, we often feel overlooked as well. How many of you have, you don't have to raise your hands, how many of you have missed a promotion at work that you knew you were qualified for, but somebody, either because of politics in the office or whatever reason, somebody else got that job? I used to be a fat little kid until I was about 13. I carried baby fat that long. And uh, I was never picked on the team first. I was, the la I was the last one to be asked to play baseball or to play softball or to play 
of basketball or something. Those things can happen repeatedly in a person's life and we can feel overwhelmed by how people overlook us. We can be overwhelmed by feeling useless. We, we're not as vibrant as we used to be. I, I, can't, I can't do what I used to do even at church. I can't do what I used to do at my house. And we get to feeling pretty bad about ourselves. When that happens, Psalm 8 is for you. Turn in your Bibles to Psalm 8. If you didn't bring your own scripture copy, there's copies in the pew rack behind you. I didn't look up the page number. Now, you're going to have to go to the index or something if you don't know how to find Psalms in your Bible. It's kind of in the middle of that big book, the Bible. And you go to Psalm 8. Now, I want us to read the whole thing together. Now, my translation may not be exactly like your translation, but that doesn't really matter because I think you'll be able to follow it nonetheless. Let's look at Psalm 8 together. There's only nine verses. won't take us about a minute to read through it. So pay attention as we go through Psalm 8. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. From the lips of children and infants you have ordained praise because of your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him, the son of man that you care for him? You made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You made him ruler over the works of, the, of your hands. You put everything under his feet, all flocks and herds and the beasts of the field and the birds of the air and the fish of the sea and all that swim the path of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Now, it begins and ends with the same verse. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. It's a, a praise at the front end. It's a doxology at the end. In between is verses 3 through 8 is a nice little sermon. This is kind of like a, a worship outline that perhaps the, the people used in the temple from time to time or some kind of celebration. Look at verses uh, 3 through 8, and you see there's, uh, there's uh, two uh, significant points that uh, the psalmist is trying to make. He said, uh, look how great and magnificent the creation is and how small man is. This great contrast. The other thing he says, the second point he makes is that even though the contrast between the heavenly things that God has created, the wonder of God. God has created man and given him honor and glory. He thinks a great deal of man, how important man is. Let's look at that this morning together uh, to see how important man is after this great 
doxology, our Lord, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is thy name in all the earth. David begins to say, well, let's look at the creation. Now, you know that the Hebrews thought the world was flat. And the only thing they could see was uh, right what's in front of them, out as far as their eye would see, or as far as the ship would take them in the Mediterranean. And that flat world was covered with a dome. And that's all they knew of the world. But they knew just of that world how great and wonderful it was. You and I know the world the beyond where we stand and live is so many more times great than that. So when we look at it in the 21st century, we look at it in a way that the Hebrews could never, ever see it. We know how much greater it is. But this great contrast that God sets up for the Hebrews in this poem is set up for us as well and we can appreciate it more even than the Hebrews he has another extreme there he talks about infants infants this great contrast between the greatness of God's creation and the smallness of these infants this contrast helps us see the greatness of God and the smallness of man. Now, we all have felt small, just as I felt small in New York City that week. We have all felt small in some ways, and some people come here today feeling small for lots of different reasons. We are not limited like the Hebrews in what they saw. But it is hard for us to understand that God looks after about 8 billion people now every day, and we're just one of them. He looks after a vast creation that's much bigger than the Hebrews knew that just was under that dome. We know much more about what's out there than they ever did. And God has to keep that going every day. How does he have time for us in our smallness? We are hardly the head of a pen in the sight of what we know exists and what God has to look after. David, I think, anticipated that as he thought about this hymn, this poem, this psalm that he was writing, and he talks about uh, not only this creative work of God, but this smallness of man. And then he says in verse 3, When I consider the heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou hast taken thought of him, and the son of man that thou dost care for him. It's interesting in that verse, David uses uh, figures like God has created by his fingers 
just the fingers of his hands. Now, we know in Genesis that God spoke and things came into being. David is not trying to contradict any of that kind of thing. He's trying to show us this great contrast between how great the powers of God is versus mankind. So he says, the fingers of God have created this universe that we know. And uh, if we look over, if we look over in Isaiah, we find an interesting contrast here. Uh, the fingers of God are just a little part of him, and the real power of God is in his arm which delivers salvation. Isaiah 52.10 says, The Lord has bared his holy arm in the sight of all nations, that all the ends of the earth may see the salvation of our God. This great contrast of God. Now, in verse 4, he begins to talk about how much God cares for man. And he uses an interesting word for man. It's a particular word. The Hebrews and the Greeks were really good at having multiple words for things. You and I uh, often in English just have one thing to describe love. For instance, that's the most famous one. But the Hebrews uh, were able, the Greeks were able to, to look at man in many different ways. And the word that is used in this psalm, 8, is a word that means frail or sick, again, the contrast that David is trying to set up between the greatness of God and the smallness of man. And in spite of this smallness, God cares for us. He pays attention to who we are, and he cares even though we are small. In verse 5, David goes on to tell us how God has crowned man with glory and honor. He says that God has made us a little lower than the heavenly beings. The word that's used there is actually Elohim, a word that usually describes God in Scripture. He's using to describe man. Glory and honor that he gives to man are usually attributes given to God in Scripture. Here, David in this psalm gives them to man because he wants to show how important man is to God, how important you are to God no matter how small you might feel. Glory has to do with our potential. Our potential. I turned on the TV, I think it was last week, week before last. Uh, there's a new series called The World, World's Best. Uh, Jim James Croydon, the English guy, comedian, is the host of it. And they have people from all over the world showing their best. And I had a man from China who was able to balance on one hand, balance on one hand, feet in the air. I can't do that for you. I can't demonstrate that for you. He's at the top of a ladder. He goes down that ladder on that hand, one step at a time. 
and he comes back up that ladder one step at a time. I've never seen that kind of strength and balance before. That's the potential of humanity. There was a young man from Kazakhstan, I believe, one of the stands, I think it was Kazakhstan. He has a six-octave range in his voice. Now, that is the potential that God has created in us. It's just a sign of the potential that God has created in us. It's amazing. And that's what this honor is all about. It's about, and, and, and about, that's about our glory. And our honor is about our statue, our status before God. How wonderful it is. How glorious it is. And then in the verses 6 through 8, David says, God has made the world and he's made humanity so important to the world that he's given it to us to manage. Sometimes we've not done very well with that, but it is our responsibility. God has given us that responsibility. Two things we need to remember. One, that this creation involves us as human beings, as well as the trees and the streams and the waters and out there. God has created us to look after each other as well as the rest of creation. We are charged with that responsibility to care for one another, to lift each other up so that when I come home feeling small and overlooked and unwanted and useless, somebody is going to lift my spirits and let me know that I am loved, I am cared for, I do matter. Whatever energy I have, God can use. They need to remind me of that once in a while. And we need to remind each other of that once in a while. Because God has given us the responsibility of his creation. You and I, as well as the rest of the world out there, trees, grass, lands, animals, that kind of thing. So when you feel barren loneliness or when you come overcome by your smallness, sometimes because even of your failures in life, you feel very small. Because of your depreciated capacity, you might feel very small. But God says you are not. You have glory and honor that I have given you. Sometimes we don't feel that, but it's always available to us. Part of our responsibility as the people of God is to make sure we remind each other that we have that ability, no matter where we are in life, no matter how, quote, disabled we are mentally, physically, spiritually, etc. God values us, and we value each other. That's important. In God's word. God's grace comes on us 
all of the time. There is not a time when God's grace is not surrounding you like a nice, warm mist. There is not a time. There are times when you don't feel it. There's times when you don't recognize it. But there's not a time when it's not there. We have to open up our inner lives to accept it, to receive it. Lots of things keep us from doing that sometimes. And we have to talk to each other and talk to God about how do I open myself up to your grace and your love and your majesty so that I feel glory and honor that you've given me. A lot of things keep us from that. We are blessed by God in creation we are blessed by God in salvation. We can't know God's salvation. We can know His creation no matter what. We can't know His salvation unless we've opened our lives to His Spirit and His Son, Jesus Christ. In Him, we find our completeness. In Him, we find forgiveness. In Him, we find our purpose. In Him, we find our direction, our ability to take the next step so that when we do feel overlooked, when we do feel incapacitated, we can take that next step. When we do feel so guilty about our sin in our life, we can ask forgiveness and take the next step toward recognizing that God has bestowed on us Glory and honor. Find a way to open your life. The grace of God is always there for you to receive it. Among His people, we want encouragement and love so that we can all feel good about receiving what God has for us. So when you feel down, lonely, guilty, small, pick up your Bible and read Psalm 8. It will give you new eyes, new ears, and a new kind of energy. Read it. And open yourself to God's glory and majesty that he has put all around you and in you as you receive it. Amen. Dear God, hear our words of confession this morning. Hear our words of thanksgiving Hear our words of repentance and of willingness to serve you in every way we can. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The doors of this church are open to you. Come if you'd like to be a part of this congregation. Come if you'd like to just say, I want to know more about how I receive 
this glory and honor from God? How do I open my life to this grace that God has for me? Come as we sing this hymn of invitation.